don't curse. Don't curse that thing anymore. Don't curse that thing anymore. It might have been hell's biggest attack on your life, but don't curse it anymore. Recognize you're still standing. And God's still on his throne. But don't curse that thing anymore. Because if you curse it, it hinders God from working all things together. Because when you curse it, you fail to recognize and see God was working in that dark place. He taught me lessons in the dark place. He took me in deeper places of grace through the painful places of life. And through the times that I would never want to go through again, yet even there, God has in store for me something down the road. There's something in eternity because of that dark place. There's something that awaits on the other side because of the journey through that dark place. But if I curse it, I hinder God from unveiling it and revealing it and working it to its fullness. So whatever that thing is, it might have been the death of that loved one. It might have been that terrible divorce. It might have been that one that just backstabbed you like you It might have just been that terrible accident, that terrible attack. And it might have been from hell from the beginning to end. But God said in the midst of it all, I worked a greater strength than you, a greater ability to forgive, a greater ability to walk and trust. And there's so much more than even in the dark places God can produce. Those diamonds come out of that great places of pressure and darkness, but out of there come some beautiful things. And God says, I've done some work deep in your heart through those places. So don't curse them so God can continue to reveal them and unveil them and work things together for your good. And some things you might not get the fullness to the other side. But through that place, it produces some rich rewards. Amen? Amen. This last song, let's open our hearts. Let's just love the Lord. Let's just thank him that in the good times and in the bad, he was there. That through the darkest times of our life, he was working. And he's good. And out of those places, he's still got some lessons to teach us and some graces to reveal to us. Let's praise him.
tries to take us out. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, even when men mean it for evil, you're able to turn things and work in things and grant your amazing grace in the midst of things. 
thank you, Lord, for the victory we have in you. And we give you all the glory and all the honor for it. And all God's people said, let's give Jesus a hand clap. He's worthy. Hallelujah. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb of God. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Good to see everybody out in God's house this morning. Oh, what a God we serve. Amen. Snatches victory out of defeat. I like that. Take that test and make it a testimony. Take that trial and make it a triumph. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Good to see Joy Ziss. Hi, Joy. God bless you. Good to see you. From Europe. Amen. Um, children, you are dismissed to Children's Church. And don't forget, next week we're going to lay hands on the children. Um, the back to school blessing. Amen. Back to school blessing. We'll lay hands on them. Believe they're going to have a great year and a, a protected year and a prosperous year and everything. And we're going to pray for them and bless them and and then next week, we're going to try to remember to introduce our Sunday school teachers so, so you know everything that's going on with Sunday school because we've got some great Sunday school teachers and some great classes. Amen. Amen. So we're going to introduce them next week along with everything else and, and put an emphasis there. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you would go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Gear shifting myself down. I'm still kind of. I feel. I feel stirred. Amen. Amen. I just felt strong in my spirit. That first phrase: "Don't think all was lost. Don't think all was lost. Don't think." But hell will lie to you about that, won't he? Hell will lie to you about that. And as soon as you start believing that, you start hindering the grace of God to work in that thing. Joseph could have cursed everything. Amen. But the ugly, can you imagine your own brother selling you into slavery? I mean, talk about a knife in the back. I mean, people you thought should have your back. I mean, does it get any worse than that, right? And then being an upright man and being flat out lied about with like a sexual sin, that, can anything be worse than that, right? But he never cursed it. Everywhere he was, God was with him, but he just kept the faith, kept serving God, amen? He, he was a blessing in the hard times. And God used all of that, right, to bring the dream to pass. Don't kill your dream by cursing the process God takes you through to get you there. Oh, hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. All right. You know, I know I, know I am in quartet country. I know that. I know I'm with a quartet generation. And there was an old song on that great getting up morning. Fare thee well, fare thee well. And we're going to kind of, we're going to glean that. That's our title. You'll see why. First Thessalonians 4. Beginning with verse 13. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be ignorant or uninformed about those who sleep. Talking about Christians that have died. Christians that have died. That's the metaphor, sleep. Amen? So that you do not grieve or sorrow like the rest of men who have no hope. Verse 14. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those that have fallen asleep in him. Verse 15, according to the Lord's word, amen? According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left to the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. 
For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. That means that cemetery is going to have some action before we get lifted out of here. Amen? Hallelujah. Yeah. Glory. After that. Say after that. They go first. Amen? After that. We who are still alive and are left will be caught up. Now there's your word rapture. Someone say, I don't see rapture. You just read it. Caught up. We get our word rapture from the Latin translation. And in the Latin, caught up. Raptured, raptured together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Wow, what a day that'll be, amen? We're with our loved ones that are in the Lord, with the family of God, we're with the Lord. Whew, that's going to be all right. So Paul says, verse 18, therefore, encourage or comfort one another with these words. Our title, that great getting up morning, we're going to get up and get out of here, amen. You can have the rest. I'm going. I want to deal with the question this young church had concerning believers who had already died. As you know, we've been teaching through 1 Thessalonians for some months now. It was a young church. They had maybe a weeks or maybe a few months of instruction when Paul was driven out by persecution and the riot and all that. And so they were left without their pastors. They were left without their teachers. And Paul's first concern was that did they stand the test? And they did. Thank God they did when Paul... Timothy finally got back. They found out these guys stood. But they were lacking in deeper teaching. They were lacking. So Paul says, I want to get back to you and um, fill what's lacking in your faith. There's a lot of things they didn't learn. And this is one area that they were a little confused about. Paul had touched on it. But they didn't get the whole picture. So here we go. We want to deal with the question this young church had concerning believers that had already died. Would there, what would their role be, if any, at the return of the Lord? They were concerned about their loved ones and their brothers and sisters that had passed. Now, they believed the first part of verse 14, how Christ died and rose again, but they failed to grasp the far-reaching implications of Jesus' death and resurrection. And this morning now, how can we say it like Paul Harvey used to say now for the rest of the story? You see, believers, as a child of God, even death cannot separate us from Jesus. In his life and in death, the Christian is in Christ. That's the key, in Christ. Not in church, in Christ. Not in a family that believed, but you personally, in Christ. That makes all the difference. In life and death, the Christian, the one that's in Christ, that is really giving their heart to Christ and is serving Christ, not just mentally agrees with the doctrines of the church, but has personally put their faith in Christ and gave their life to serve Christ. In life and death, the Christian that is in Christ. He's in the Christ, and that's a union that nothing can break. We know that death is a fact. The Bible teaches that. The Bible says it's an appointment. It's not an accident. But not even death, friend, can separate or snatch us out of Jesus' hand. Now, the pagan world, on the other hand, didn't quite have that hope and that understanding For the most part, their afterlife was not full of hope. It did not have a word of comfort and assurance. And like many today that do not know Christ personally and sincerely, who do not know that their sins are forgiven, they are not sure what awaits them. 
on the other side of their last breath when they meet a most holy God face to face. What a difference between the Christian's blessed assurance as opposed to those who are uncertain or even worse, deceived about their eternal destiny. Now this young church was concerned about the believers, the saints who had died. Would they miss out on what was to come? They were battling some confusion and sorrow. And Paul writes these six verses really just to encourage and comfort their hearts. And I pray it will do the same for us. Again, the thrust of this is not to give a long, chronological, super deep. um, You have to get all the Bible together to figure these things out. But this is basically to give them some basics, but mostly to encourage them about what is to come and where their friends in the Lord are presently. So here's our outline. Number one, we're going to talk about the revelation. Revelation, verse 13 and 15. Because God gives you and I clear instruction and understanding in his word. We don't have to be like other men that are ignorant, darkened in our understanding, frustrated. We can know because God has revealed to his people his truth. Secondly, there's a return, verses 14 through 16. There's the return. You know, Jesus is returning for his people. He's coming to get us out of here, amen? I mean, you know, when we study this, the the last verse in that first chapter, and we said like every chapter in this book, towards the end it refers to the coming of the Lord. In that last verse in the first chapter, it says how these people turn from their idols, these pagans turn from idols to serve the true and living God, and then to wait for his son from heaven, Jesus who he raised from the dead, to rescue them from the coming wrath. The Christian is not appointed to wrath, but God is going to rescue us before that terrible wrath comes. And so he's going to return not with us. He's going to return for us. Now, second, third, number three is the rapture. Again, verse 17, caught up, caught up. That's the, the Latin for rapture. It means a quick snatching away. It could happen anytime. We could be in church. You could be on the line at Fred's. When that rapture, that's it. That's it. And that old backslider going to be the only one in line. He's going to, hey, oh, he's going to not wish he was. Isn't that right? Only believers are going. Only those living right are going. Don't be the only one left in your home. Make sure if anyone's going, you're going. Amen? And then lastly, the reunion. That's the comfort of one another. The wonderful truth. The Christ is coming. And we will be with him forever. What a wonderful day that will be. So number one, let's start out with Revelation. We have God's truth. We have God's truth. It's important to study your Bible. That's where God has revealed his truth. Again, verse 13, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be ignorant or uninformed. God doesn't want his people ignorant or uninformed. Amen. The question about death and life specifically before the gospel had really been such a riddle. It had been a mystery and anxiety. I mean, from the beginning, philosophy and religion, even science had wrestled with the question. I think Paul solves it pretty good for us in verse 15 when he wrote, and I like kind of how the New King James says it, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord. Amen? According to the Lord's own word. We're not making this up. This is not a philosophy of man. We give you this truth by direct revelation from the living God. He made it clear and he made it plain. Like the preacher of old would say, I didn't come to talk about God. I came to talk for God. And when we have the revelation of God, we have the certainty of God. 
He takes away the mystery so we can have a blessed assurance, not a blessed I hope so. We can understand. We have revelation. Paul begins his message of encouragement by by delivering his readers from the grief and the sorrow experienced by the rest of mankind that doesn't know God, doesn't have the assurance of what is to come. Believers, you don't need to wonder about death and the life after. But we have God's clear revelation, a clear revelation from God. As one writer put it, why settle for human speculation when you can have divine revelation? And that's what we have in the Word of God. The Almighty has spoken. Therefore, verse 13, I don't want you to be ignorant or uninformed, brethren. I don't want you to be lacking or without knowledge. I don't want you to be deficient or deceived or doubtful. For God has spoken. Let us hear and heed and believe the Word of the Lord. Number one revelation, I don't want you ignorant or uninformed. The world is ignorant concerning life and death, concerning godliness and eternity. That's why there's so much fear and false hopes in the world we live in. There's deceptions and there's misconceptions. We think of our dear brother, um, Dr. Samuel, and the great work he's doing in India. And every time he comes, and we think of the literally millions or billions of gods he talks about that that nation serves. Such deception, such falseness. But we that have the word of God, we that have the spirit of God, we're not like those that are deceived and in darkness. We have the clear understanding of how to get to heaven. We have the clear understanding of how to live in life. We've got a clear understanding of what the living God that every person will face one day expects from us. We don't get to make the rules. He's God. He gets to make the rules. Can you say amen? But thank God he's given us the revelation. So we have no excuse. We can walk in it, and we can please him, and we can receive blessing from him. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us that the hearts and minds of unbelievers are spiritually darkened. Some profess to be wise, but because they reject God's truth, and they reject God's clear revelation, they become as fools. Note takers, Romans 1 and verse 22. Professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. Because they reject the truth, suppress the truth, exchange the truth of God for a lie. And then Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 how how the people of this world, the God of this age, has blinded their minds so they can't understand the gospel. They've been blinded with all this false doctrine. They've been blinded with the deceptions and the lies that you hear from churches that don't believe the Bible, from the media, from uh, academics, from the world that doesn't want to be confronted by the living Christ. But remember, you and I that know Christ, we're not like the rest of men. We're the children of light. We're described as those that walk in the light and we don't have to stumble in the darkness. Our hearts and our minds have been opened to the truth of God. You that know the Lord, you possess the word of God and you possess the spirit of God, the spirit of truth, the one that guides us into all truth, the heavenly teacher that shows us the way and reveals the way that pleases God and honors God. You've received Christ and you've received the spirit of Christ so you can walk in the light and live as spiritually wise and alive. And the Lord says to his people this day, know my ways, understand my will. Don't be ignorant concerning the things of God in all facets of life. But friend, I want you to know there is a deceptive spirit of confusion 
that is flourishing in this present hour, don't let it ensnare you. Don't let it ensnare your family. Instead, give God's word its proper place and its proper consistency in your life. Allow your life to be governed and built and steered by the word of the living God. Again, in all facets of life, God says, know my ways. Understand my will. Don't be ignorant concerning the things of God from salvation to the second coming. Know what the Bible says about how you're going to get into heaven. Don't be fooled. Know what the Bible says. Understand the second coming. Be ready. He could come at any moment. From family to finance. Don't be ignorant of what the Bible teaches. From parenting to receiving power from on high so you can live this life as more than a conqueror. Don't be ignorant. Know God's ways. Know the ways of God concerning relationships, concerning riches. Know God's way concerning receiving wisdom for being a good worker, for battling a good warfare, for knowing God's ways and being wise to the enemy's schemes in all facets of life. God says, know my ways. I've given you my word. I've placed my spirit within you. Walk as the wise, not as the foolish. Walk in the light, not in the dark. Build a life that is built on the foundation that will withstand every test and every trial and every storm that hell can throw against you. How? By building according to the word of God. So again, God has given his people his spirit and his word and his truth, his revelation, so we don't have to live in the frustration and the foolishness of those that don't walk according to the insights and wisdom of God. Verse 13, concerning those that have fallen asleep, those that have died in the Lord. Paul says, don't be ignorant, but understand Jesus died and rose again. Understand when that happened. That was an atoning sacrifice. And that was a grave-defeating, death-destroying resurrection. Understand that when he died on that cross... It was an atoning sacrifice. That means it was a sacrifice that totally satisfies and appeased the wrath of a holy God. It was a sacrifice that took the holy wrath of God for sin and placed it on Christ, turning it from you and I and placing it fully on Jesus Christ so that every sin you and I have committed, every terrible lawless deed we ever did was paid completely on Christ. Thank God, not on us. Atoning sacrifice. It turned aside the wrath of God from those that really deserved it to the only one that didn't deserve it, Jesus Christ. That's why we shed our tears when we sing there's power, power, wonder-working power in that blood. Amen? That's why we get a tear when we talk about the glory of that cross. Amen? Because we know on that cross, God did for you and I what we could never do for ourselves. He paid the price for our sin. He took the punishment our sin deserves so you and I could be forgiven and you and I could be free and you and I could rejoice. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ. In Christ. You better get in Christ. I'm in religion. No, you better get in Christ. I'm in the Masons. Get out of the Masons and get in Christ. Oh, somebody say amen. I don't care what you're into. You better be in Christ or you won't make it. But once you're in Christ, whoo, then you have peace with God. You can have the peace of God. You can know that you know your sins have been thrown as far as the east is from the west. You are born again by the Spirit of God in heaven is your home. 
It was an atoning sacrifice and a grave defeating, devil killing, death destroying resurrection. He paid the price for our sins. And he defeated death. And as believers, we are recipients of his great victory. We are in Christ. We've entered into his victory. Concerning death, Paul says, receive the revelation, the truth from God's word. Concerning death, don't ever forget, death has been defeated. And we shall live forever with Christ. And nothing can ever separate us from the love and presence of our Savior. Death has been defeated. Don't fear it. 1 Timothy 1 and 2, Christ has destroyed. He's abolished. He's rendered inoperative death. And he's brought light and life through the gospel's revelation to us. He brought life and immortality through the gospel. So number one, death has been defeated. Don't fear it. But secondly, you and I are going to live forever. Believe it. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, he will live even if he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he said, do you believe it? We live forever. Believe that. When you close your eyes here, believer, you open them in the presence of the Lord. To be absent from this body is present with the Lord. Death has been defeated. Don't fear it. We will live forever. Believe it. And nothing shall ever separate us from the Savior. Rejoice in it. For I am convinced, Romans 8 and 30, I am convinced that even death cannot separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So number one, here's the clue. Number one, revelation, our first point. Concerning death, concerning those that have gone before us. Let there be no mystery, let there be no anxiety. Instead, allow God's clear truth to comfort and encourage you. And if anyone's here this morning and you're confused about something, maybe you're listening too much to that, that garbage on the media, you're on that computer too much, you need to get in your Bible a little bit more. But that's another sermon for another day. You open your door to confusing spirits, you get confused. You open your door to confusing voices and you get confused. You start to believe what you're hearing all the time. Amen? And if it's not coming from God, it brings confusion into your head, into your heart, and into your home. So shut the door on some things that just bring confusion and strife and division and get back to that which will bring truth and light and substance and health and blessing and joy and peace. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. So we talk about the loved ones that have gone before. They're with the Lord. Their spirit and their soul is with the Lord right now. Now, their bodies, and a lot of them are across the street, their bodies are awaiting that day when the trumpet of God will sound. When Jesus comes to get his people and the dead in Christ will rise first. Glorified body. And they're going to get connected with that glorified spirit and soul forever be with the Lord. That's going to take, it's going to immediate, and then immediately after that, there we go. I think most of us are going. If not, turn off the lights when you go home. (laughs) Number two, return, return. Jesus is coming again. How about that? He's coming again. The UN can't keep him. (laughs) He's coming again. Amen? Oh, Oh, Lord. Verses 14 through 16. Notice verse 14. We believe Jesus died and rose again. And so we also believe that God will bring with Jesus 
those who have fallen asleep in him. So again, remember, at death, the spirit leaves with the Lord. The body sleeps until Christ comes back. See, we sometimes, you go to a funeral and you, sometimes you hear to their final rest. No, that's not a final rest. That's a temporary rest. And in fact, dur- during my study, I came across, it was interesting. You know, we, we get a lot of our words from, from the Greeks. The Greeks, you know, very brilliant in their day. And, and, and the word for cemetery we get from, from the Greeks. And, and it was a place for burying the dead, and they would call it a sleeping place, a sleeping place. But they would also use that same word for an inn to describe an inn, like a hotel. That's the word they would use, and it, it kind of makes sense when you think about it. It's where travelers would sleep temporarily. They don't live there. They're just passing through there. The expectation was that you'd get up and continue on your journey, right? When you go and stay overnight at a hotel, you're not living there, right? You're there for a day or two at most and moving on. They're only there for a while. It's a temporary rest. Moving on. When Christians die, their souls and spirits go immediately to be with the Lord. The body of the Christians are asleep until the coming of the Lord. And at that time, their bodies will be awakened and united with their souls and with their spirits. Wow. See, this fact should greatly comfort the believer. The soul and the spirit doesn't sleep. The Bible says to be absent from this body, immediately present with the Lord. But this old body goes like a seed. It's going to get buried, and it's going to bloom one day when Christ calls us. Oh, my This gives us reason for comfort, and this gives us a basis for our confidence. It gives us a reason for comfort, comforting the believers, concerning those that have gone on there with Jesus. They're never separated from him, and they're going to be part of everything that he's going to do from eternity to eternity. It's the basis for our confidence, because if you notice here, it's based on what Jesus has done. Jesus didn't sleep. Jesus died. Jesus didn't sleep. Verse 14 says, he died and rose again. He died, which means he endured hell, separation from the Father. He endured the wrath and the judgment every sin deserved. Because he endured that, we don't have to endure that. Because he died, we don't have to die. But we're in Christ. We're in Christ. We put our faith in Christ. Amen? So, glory to God. Now let's glean some truths again. Recognize he's coming for us. Rescue us from the coming wrath. Then, after about seven years, he's coming with us. Or we should, we're coming with him when the judgment begins. So we look at this. Number one, he's bringing with him his people. This answered their question. They're not going to miss out those that have gone on. But secondly, this teaches us that his return is imminent which means it can happen at any moment. What we're reading can happen at any time. It's, actually, it's the next thing on God's timeline. Someday you might be just going about your business, driving your truck, working in your garden, flying back to Europe, and all of a sudden, whew, snatched away. Oh, man. When Jesus returns, no, Jesus is returning. The same Jesus, Jesus is returning. There'll be a shout, 
The dead in Christ are going to rise and be changed. That twinkle in an eye changed. Their bodies will be transformed so they'll be like Christ's glorious body. The dead in Christ will rise first, verse 16. Then they which remain, if it happened right now, that's us, will be, verse 17, caught up, raptured together with them to meet the Lord in the air. Looking forward to that. Can you imagine that? I mean, that same voice that said, Lazarus, come forth. Oh, this time, every believer and every grave and the whole. And then immediately the rapture takes place. Let's look at a couple of verses. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. Paul says, but our citizenship is in heaven. There's the best place to have your citizenship. Amen. I'm glad for mine and you're glad for yours. But I'll tell you the most important one. Make sure you have a citizenship in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, from heaven, from heaven. The Lord Jesus Christ. Are you waiting for him to come back? Are you yearning to see him? Amen. And when he comes back, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, look what he's going to do when he comes back. He's going to transform our lowly bodies so they'll be like his glorious body. Isn't that wonderful? No more sciatica. Goodbye, goodbye. Amen. Isn't that right? All right, that knee's going to be a good knee. Amen. Hey, right, not right. Chiropractor gonna be out of business. A cardiologist gonna have to get another career. When Jesus returns, he's gonna transform this lowly body. And the older I get, the lowlier I feel. Amen. The lowlier body. And it's gonna be like his glorious body. Can you imagine that? I'm gonna walk through walls and then we're still gonna have our fish fry back there. Come on, say amen. He ate fish in that Bible after he had become resurrected. So I don't know how all that's gonna work. But we're going to walk through walls. I mean, we're going to eat good fried fish. You don't, you know it, brother. Ha, ha. Now look at the next one. First John, first John, the third chapter. Dear, dear friends, now we are the children of God. Any children of God here? I want to make sure I'm talking to the right person. If you're not, get saved quick so this can be about you. Dear friends, we Now we are children of God, and here it is, and this is true. And what we will be has not yet been made known. I mean, he's given us glimpses, but really. You know, I know Brother Brown's a scholar of this stuff. I was going through your pamphlet this week. He had a great little pamphlet out about end times, and I was kind of rushing up on it. I want to make sure I had my ducks in a row, so I got his. And I know even those that have studied this a lot, you can't help but thinking, how's this really going to be? I mean, we get glimpses. The scripture gives us insights, but wow, how's that really going to work? Amen? What am I going to sound like with a glorified vocal cord? You ever think of it? No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> Dear friends, now we are, we're saved. We're saved. We know God. Amen? But there's so much more. What we will be has not yet been made known. Wow. He's given us glimpses. He's given us little tidbits, but we don't know it yet. But we know, what, what, what do we know? We know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Woo! Man! Wow! I wouldn't sell this out for anything. There's no sin, there's no self. I wouldn't sell this for anything. 
You want to miss out on this? But it's the alternative. Well, I'll save that for another day. Therefore, if you're really looking for him, if you're really looking forward to that day of seeing him and being transformed to be like him, then John goes on. Therefore, all of us that have this hope in him, that really are hoping and waiting and believing for the Lord to return and, and, and take away the evil and take away the sorrow and transform us to be with Him. All who have this hope in Him purify ourselves just as He is pure. If you truly believe this, you'll do everything you can to live a life that is ready that if He was to come right now, when He comes, there's no time for an altar call. Snatches away twinkling of an eye. It's a sudden thing. Amen? There there are no times to wait, wait, Lord, I need to go in the closet and repent of a few things and clear out a few things I shouldn't have. No, no, no. When he comes, it's over. Either you're ready or you're not. So live ready. Live ready. Tell your neighbor, live ready. Just live ready. And nothing, no compromise is worth it. No justification is worth it. Live for Jesus. Live all out for Jesus. Live pure. Live holy. Someone says, well, I don't think he's coming back. You got, got hit by a car. You might die crossing 60 this afternoon. That's right. That's right. We all know those that have. You might go in, get that back looked at, and find out it's not a back problem. It's a tumor problem. And you might not be here too. No, no, death's a reality. That's right. No sense in playing games here. No one's guaranteed tomorrow. So live ready today. Live ready today. Live ready today. I'm going to get it right. No, no, no. I might not have time to get it right. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The Bible says if we have this hope, this hope for Christ to return, this yearning to see Jesus face to face, if we really believe that, then we're going to purify ourselves. And we're going to live in a way day by day that says, I am waiting for Christ. I am looking and I am living for Jesus Christ. And if he should come right now, I am ready. I want nothing to be ashamed of. I'm ready to receive my king and be transformed into his likeness. Can you say amen? Wow. Mm. So the dead in Christ are going to rise. And then instantly millions, millions and millions from all over the world will vanish when the rapture takes place. Now that begins to unfold the most horrible season of judgment, tribulation, trauma the world has ever seen. We're out of here. We're with Christ. For about seven years we're going to go to heaven. We're going to have a, a marriage feast and we're going to go through that, um, the rewards and all the various things. We're going to have a good time in heaven while, while the world literally is going through hell before hell. You don't want to miss. Did I tell you you don't want to miss the rapture? You don't want to miss the rapture? No, no, no. See, so the, the shout of God and every grave, every believer will burst open as Jesus. The mighty conqueror of death calls forth his own. Can you imagine such a sight? Wow. The dead in Christ rise and then we that remain millions will be snatched up, raptured, vanished instantly. But then the rest of mankind, those that are left behind, you don't want to be left behind. You don't want to be left behind. 
That relationship is not worth you being left behind. That secret sin is not worth you being left behind. The rest of mankind will see an increase in intensity of the most terrible things you could think of. Like the earth has never seen disease, death, despair, hatred, hunger, heartache, suffering, sin, sorrow, tribulation, great tribulation, economic failure, civil unrest, the Antichrist, nations falling into chaos. All those terrible judgments you read about through the book of Revelation poured out on a world that rejected Christ and didn't want to submit to the gospel of Christ. Now we're out of here. We're with him. He, he rescues us from that coming wrath. But I want to say it again. You don't want to miss the rapture. You don't want to be left behind. And you don't want to die not being right with Christ. Years ago, Brother Clendenin, man of God's with the Lord now, but While he traveled the world, he pastored down in Beaumont, Assembly of God Church down in Beaumont for years and years. And he had a local TV show, and it was on Sunday nights. And I don't know if you can remember. Remember the days when you have to you used to get a check and had to go to the bank and get it cashed? Amen. Get your paycheck. Remember those days? Yeah. Well, his show was on Sunday nights, and um, Monday morning comes, and he goes to his bank to cash his check. And like most preachers, if you have a good service, Mondays are wonderful. A little tired, but they're wonderful. Amen. Amen. This is the day he's whistling his song. He's happy. And he walks in, and his banker catches his eye. His banker kind of takes off his glasses and looks from his desk and says, How can you be so happy? Brother Clendenin stops. Did I do something? What do you mean? How can you be so happy? He goes, Preacher, I've been watching you. He was on on Sunday nights. And he'd been teaching through the book of Revelation. How can you be so happy after all those terrible judgments and those plagues and all those things you've been talking about that's coming to this world? How can you be so happy? And as soon as Brother Clendenin knew what he was talking about, he stopped. He said, oh, he goes, now I get you. He goes, I can tell you why I'm so happy, Mr. Banker. That's because I'm not talking about my world. I'm talking about yours. I'm not going to be in that mess. I'm going with Christ. I belong to Jesus. He's taking me out of that mess. Amen. I'm not going through that plague. I'm not going through that. No, no. I'm with the Lord. So I say it again. You don't want to miss the rapture. You don't want to be left behind. You don't want to die. Not right. You're not living for Jesus. And Paul ends this paragraph and his words are, therefore, comfort or encourage one another with these words. Again, it wasn't a strong, in-depth teaching. You have to get all the scripture to put it together. It was a general thing, but to encourage them. Their loved ones are with the Lord. They're coming back. They won't miss out. And Christ will rescue us. So I say be comforted. Concerning those that have gone before, be comforted. They're with the Lord right now. And they will be part of the glorious future of the church. They'll rise first. And then we'll be united with them, with the Lord forever and forever. Be comforted. You might be here today, you might be listening, and you're facing death. It's that season of life. Well, be comforted. If you belong to Jesus, the moment you breathe your last breath here, you'll breathe your first in heaven. The moment you close your eyes the last time here, you'll open them in the presence of the Lord. If you're with Jesus, death has been defeated. And the minute you die, he welcomes you into eternal life. All right?
So be comforted and be strong. Be strong. This message, I hope it strengthens you. Because Christ is coming. And it won't always be like this. Maybe someone's going through a hard time. Maybe life's a battle for you right now. Well, hang in there. Jesus is coming. It won't always be like this. He's going to come and deal with the sorrows of life and deal with the wickedness of life. He's with you now and he's going to help you through. But be strong. Stay faithful. Stay true to Jesus, whatever you do. Stay committed. Don't stray. Don't fall away. It will be worth it. People might bail on you. You stay with Jesus. People might call you names. You stay with Jesus. Others might attack you, but you stay with Jesus. Because we're getting closer to that day. And finally, live ready and live working. Keep looking and living for Jesus. Don't be caught not ready. And don't be caught not working. When he comes back, he expects to see us being faithful, doing what he called us to do. There's a work for each one of us to do. There's lives for each one of us to touch, and time is short. So when he comes, be at your post. Be doing what he's called you to do. Seasons in our lives change, but whatever season we're in, there's something to do for Jesus. And when he comes, make sure you're doing the work he's assigned you to do. So as we close this morning, we want to thank the Lord that he is coming back. We are looking and we are yearning, and we are living ready to receive and be received. We thank the Lord that he's coming back, and we're coming to a place where evil and sorrow will be no more. Well, he will defeat the enemies of God, and we'll be with him forever. We want to finish strong in that. So as we close, very simply, if you're not ready, or if you're not 100% sure that you are right with God, that you've given your life to Christ and you are serving him faithfully. If you're not ready, take this opportunity before you leave. Take this opportunity. Make a fresh commitment to Christ. Make a fresh commitment. You've been straying? Say, Lord, I'm sorry. If you were to come, I'm not doing what I should be doing. I'm not living like I should be living. Take this opportunity. Take this opportunity right now. Make a fresh commitment. Promise the Lord you'll change what needs to be changed and you'll do what needs to be done. That's real repentance. That's changing and turning. Do what you have to do to be ready to meet him. Then for the rest of us, you know that you know things are right between you and the Lord. Let's just spend some time before we leave just praising him and thanking him that he's coming back for us, that we're going to be with him forever, that we're in him and we have eternal life because of him. So we're going to do that. And if you need special prayer, if you come and you need oil to be healed, God will heal you. If you want a fresh filling of the Holy Ghost, God will fill you fresh with the Spirit. You maybe have a big decision to make and you're a little cloudy about it. Pastor Todd's going to lay hands on you and God... I'm going to show you exactly what to do. The darkness is going to go and you're going to see things clearly. If you have a special need, you come down. But stand with me, please, as we pray our final prayer and we open the altars and minister one to another and minister to the Lord. But the most important thing, if you don't know that you know, hey, I'd rather have you go over it ten times, but know that you know, than face Jesus one day and have him miss the mark.
Amen? And if God's dealing with you, just respond. Better safe than sorry. God dealing. Amen? I remember as a young boy, six, seven, whatever, God really started dealing with me at a certain age. I was tender. Loved God's house. Loved singing. Didn't have children's church in my day. So that's singing about the only thing I could handle. Preaching went over my head. I used to read through my Sunday school lesson or something. You know what I mean? Loved the singing, but tender. And when God started dealing with me, I was getting saved every time they take an altar call to finally mom had to say something. You ain't got to do that once. And then, you know, if you, if you sin, you ask for forgiveness. But all I knew was, well, I was tender. You know when you're tender, you're sensitive. It's a good thing to be sensitive in the spiritual realm. Amen? You're better, better safe than sorry. So there's a, a shadow of a doubt that things aren't right between you and God. Don't leave. Make a fresh altar. Make a fresh commitment. Tell them you're going to change what you know needs to be changed. And start afresh with the assurance. With the assurance that if Jesus is to come, you're ready. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our hearts. Father, we thank you this morning for this great salvation that we have because of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to live faithfully and obedient all the days of our lives. Help us to live lives that are ready to meet you. Lives that are being faithful to do the ministry you've called us to. Lives that are living holy in this unholy world. And now, Father, I pray as we come to this altar, I pray, O oh God, for the weary, that you would grant refreshing to all that are weary. O oh God, some are going through the fight of fight like never before. But I pray, Father, that as they look to you, you'll refresh them in their weariness. You'll give them a new strength right now in the name of Jesus. There might be some that are hurting right now. It might be an emotional hurt. It might be a physical hurt. But Jesus, you're a great physician. And we pray right now in this service, you'll heal the hurting. You'll let streams of healing virtue flow and minister mightily. I pray for those that are wondering. Maybe those that are a bit of confusion. Have decisions to make. Not sure about things. Father, we pray you to grant fresh revelation and understanding as they seek your wisdom. Give them clear thinking and the strategy they need for the moment. And Father, I pray for the hungry and thirsty. Oh, my God. For those that are here today and spiritually just want more of the Spirit, spiritually just want to get closer to you, Lord, I pray that you'd grant them a fresh drink from your river. I pray that you would satisfy their thirst and fill the hungry and thirsty afresh. Bring them to a new place of spiritual power and intimacy with you. Now, Father, as we worship, receive our praise. Jesus, accept the song of our thanksgiving. And we pray at this altar, the wind of the Spirit would blow mightily and work sovereignly and powerfully and let lives be transformed forever in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, let's worship the Lord. Let's praise Him. Let's thank Him. He's returning. He's returning. He's going to gather us. He's going to take us back. Oh, 